weeks as I traveled to uh, South Korea. One of the uh, main uh, reasons for going there is there's a huge church in uh, Busan, Korea, which is the uh, second largest city where basically I was born and raised. Uh, they have this uh, uh, group of people, mostly around 45 to 55. They are struggling um, uh, with, uh, with a life. And I said, what are they struggling? Uh, they told me that, you know, most of the people in South Korea, when you're 55, you have to retire. If you're in government, if you're in big corporations, you have to retire. <clears throat> now, South Korea has become a kind of country like ours, and most people get married pretty late. Not like in early 20s, like in late 20s, if not early 30s. Well, by the time they're 55, their kids are still in college, or if not some element of high school. And for them to think that they're actually going to retire when their kids are in college or in high school, they have these issues. It's becoming challenging for them, not only financially, but to how to sustain in a society when they're 55, they have to retire. And the point is, when you're 55, you can't really get another job. And they're in despair, and it asked me to come in and help them to uh, restore or challenge them. And I, if you have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> if you're in that age and how to help them, and, and still what we're praying is to, uh, what would be the uh, core of the message that I can deliver to? The second one is I'm continuing, and it's a ch church in Seoul, uh, a Korea, Saran Church, with the uh, marketplace uh, uh, missionary. We're going out there to teach along with the biblical, uh, former biblical Nehemisho uh, seminary professors. We're going out there to teach. And the last thing is that I'm going out. It's a pretty big milestone for our company, design firm, that we just completed uh, construction of one of the pretty large uh, mixed-use project. It's got the wedding hall on the top of the roof, and it's got the green roof, uh, and the lounge, and the restaurant on the top, and the 600 space parking spaces, and then kids area on the lower space, and the Piazza Plaza, and it's going to be a major milestone in uh, South Korea. And it happened to be a place where I was just born, and that was Gyeongju, uh, Korea, which is about a couple hours, one hour north of uh, Busan. So I'm going to go there. I'm pretty excited about it. But I ask that you will uh, continue to pray for me during that period of time so that my inner core stays solid with our Lord, which leads to our message today. But before we do that, last week, Luke Ackley gave just one powerful and uh, wonderful message on temptation. Temptation is something that every single one of us has to deal with. The idea is how do we resist this temptation of ours? And if we don't, we simply cannot really grow in grace that was given to us as free gift. And today we're going to talk about somewhat related, how to grow in grace by dealing with our inner core the issues that are inside of us. Sometimes it could come out as a, a root cause of it all. 
why we do what we do, why we behave the way we behave, why we think the way we do, why we treat others the way we do, has a lot to do with the makeup of our inner core. And most of the time, they are the root cause of our limitations. And that limits us from growing in grace. And God is saying, my goodness, I gave you this grace. It's a shining, it's a beautiful, it's comforting, and you're covering it up with the dirt and covering it up with a blanket and it's not shining. I ask you to shine it. Be a salt and light of the world. You're not doing it. When, I, when you're not doing it, we're not growing in grace. So that's what we're going to talk about. You guys ready? I'm ready. There are basically two factors that affect and limits our ability to grow in grace. One is temptation, which we talked about. I hope we are to continue with that. And second one is What's in our inner core? What our core inside of us is made of. We have outside us, we have inside us. We're always conflicting between the two. Now, both of them, the temptation and inner core, they're both inside of us. And they're not visible, they're invisible. But boy, when they come out to the surface, they can be deadly and really, really bad. Do you agree with that? And we just do a very good job concealing and hiding it. Now, those two factors control us. They control just about everything about us, our behavior, the way we talk, our temperament, our patience, and definitely limits our ability to grow in Christ. Now, before we go into a little further, uh, there are two spiritual forces. We as Christians live with two powerful spiritual forces. One is the power of grace that gives us hope and the light. And the other one is dark force that is inside of us. That's the two spiritual forces that we have to deal with. Power of grace and the dark force that's inside of us. Now, in nature there's also two very, very powerful forces. And I'm going to try to use that knowledge to, for us to understand the two spiritual forces. In nature, we live and we depend on two most powerful forces. One is visible and one is not. And yet, both of them are very, very hot. They can give life or they can give harm. First, the sun. Sun is very, very visible. Wouldn't you say so? You can't hide from sun. It's there. 
You know it. This powerful sun but gives us light to us all living matter here on earth. And it is our hope, our comfort. And the sun is visible to our eyes. Second thing is the inner core in a physical world. This inner core is also very, very powerful. But it's not visible. But it exists. It is also very, very hot. It's in the center of our earth. It's the core of our earth. It's hot. Very, very hot. It's the inner core. That's what we call it. Inner core of the earth. Or you could say the core of the matter of the earth. It's very, very hot. And it's not visible. It is very, very deep inside of our earth. Now, sun is extremely hot, but when it reaches us, it comforts us, and it's very hopeful. And we know it gives life. However, what is not visible, the inner core of earth, when it spews out as a molten rock or volcano, as a lava, when it reaches us, it's a deadly wouldn't you say so? It's a deadly. You better get out fast. In fact, you don't, nobody here has time to get out. When it spills out, it's deadly. There's no way to get away from it. It's fast. It will consume us. While we depend on sun to give us life and warmth and hope, but our ability to grow is driven or limited by what is deep inside of us, the inner core of ourselves. In other words, who we are, or what we are, is based on what our inner core is made of. What is your inner core made of? Is it just the heart? And you like it? But when it comes out, it's really giving warmth, or is it deadly? Our inner core dictates who we are. It dictates our behavior. It defines us. It controls our reaction, our temper, our patience, our tongue, and our thinking, our thoughts. And because we are sinners, most often this core of the matter is our root cause of our hurt, sickness, madness, and distrust. This invisible, molten rock drives us, and when it spills out like a volcano, it's deadly. Today's scripture, Jeremiah 
chapter 17, verse 9. To really zero in the sentiment of this verse, I wrote down three different translations. NIV says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart, in this case, is the inner core. It's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that hurts. And he says, who can understand it? So, like, I think I got it. Let's look at another verse, a translation. New King James Version. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. They kind of give a little more definition to what it means beyond cure. It's wicked. Our inner core is wicked. And who can know it? Who, now I get it. First one was who can understand it? It's who can know it? Do you know your inner core as to what's in it? You think you do, but you don't know. English Revised Version says the heart is deceitful of all things and it is desperately sick, guys. We're sick. Who can know it? What this verse is saying collectively is that our heart, our core, is really messed up. And most of us do a very, very good job hiding it and concealing it. Our core of the matter is full of lies, full of evil spirits, evil desires, and often it's a beyond remedy. We can't even correct it. So it's a beyond cure. And the Bible says, the verse says, who can understand it or who can know it? This means that even we don't even know how deceitful our inner core, the heart is. If you think you know, you may want to think twice. The inner core, this evil core of ours, which then is the root cause of our sinful nature, it dictates our mood. It dictates how we treat others. It dictates how we honor or dishonor God. It dictates how we yield to temptation. And the core of matter is the root cause of our challenges that we face every day as to why we are not growing in grace. And I have one simple example. A mother is convinced that her kid has attitude problem. He breaks things, he yells and screams and intentionally just go and hurt people. Is annoying to everyone in the family and friends. He hangs out with the wrong friends. And, and his father just beats this kid. And, but the kid's attitude does not change. So father and mother decided that maybe it's best for them to send the kid to boarding school, which a lot of parents do. Can't deal with this kid. Send it to boarding school. So he goes to the boarding school. And his behavior continues. So the principal, the counselor of the school asked the kid, 
What is erupting you to behave that way? And the kid replies, I just want some attention. Well, why don't you tell that to your parents? And the kid responded, well, that's the core of the problem. I don't get their attention. Think very hard. Is beating attention? Is yelling to them attention? Is nagging to them attention? What is this kid's issue? Not getting attention. No, it's a far from it. That's what we think. That's why it's deceitful. We think it's because of attention. The root cause of this kid's problem is the emptiness. Misbehavior is just an attitude that surfaces, that spews out like deadly volcano. And this kid is trying to fill that emptiness and not really knowing how to fill that emptiness. He's just going around yelling and screaming just for attention. This emptiness we all have. When we get rejected by friends, and you're ridiculed, you feel emptiness right away. When you're betrayed, and when you're falsely accused, you immediately feel the emptiness. The good news is that Jesus came simply to fill the emptiness in our inner core. In Genesis, God basically said that when he first created the heavens and earth, the earth was formless and empty. It's in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Formless and empty. There was emptiness in a physical sense. And that emptiness was lifted when God created what? Light. And that light is referring to sun, or what sun are we talking about? What light are we talking about? John 12, 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. We got to fill our inner core with light. Emptiness is darkness. It needs light. And when the light gets into our inner core, that's when we can grow in grace. So the question is, how do we allow the light to come in to our inner core? Inner core, our hearts, our minds, something that drives us. How do we allow light to come in? How do we fill our inner court with the light? How do we do it? Should we just open up our chest? Like I went through a couple of times, heart transplant surgery, open it up and just shine the light. You know, in the surgery room, the, the, the light is very, very bright. <laughs> Extremely bright. Last Sunday, last Sunday's teaching by Luke, was this. The word of God is the light. 
I need to hear amen to that. The Word of God is the light. We need to fill our inner core, our mind, with the Word of God. Feeling the Word of God is filling our core with the light. Yeah, I know to some of us, it's a drag. It's easy to turn on smartphone and go right into YouTube and start watching music, other things. I do that. That's why my inner core is messed up too, just like you. I like some music. I heard a couple of times. I go in there. I mean, I get sucked in. There's another music similar to that. I'm listening. Oh, that's so good. And all of a sudden, lately, I was looking at uh, 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 YouTube, and I was listening to some music, and then below it, it's got a little kickboxing. I never did that. I don't really like it, but my father was a boxer. And in remembrance of my father who went to the Lord to be with her 10 years ago, I wanted to see what was the about this kickboxing boxing that got him so you know, passionate about it. I started watching it. One, what do you call the games? Not a game. What do you call that? Match. It was so fun. And then watch another one, get a TKO. Guy gets hit like this and collapses on the mat. And it's a fast, keep going. Before I know it, it's a 45 minutes went by. The word of God is the light. It's going to take a lot of discipline to do so. To understand, to fill our inner core with the word of God. When you fill the core with the light, you can now really change how you look at life. Then we'll have new perspective and are able to forgive and reconcile and to embrace. I'll give you another example about this perspective how deceitful or misunderstanding that we could have in our life. My father wouldn't buy a Japanese car. Remember, in the background, in case you didn't know, my father he is a pastor. He loves the Lord. He loves to, to uh, help people. He served 13 years in a leprosy colony. So he's got that passion for other people, the poor people. Less fortunate people. So that's my father. But he will not let me buy a Japanese car here in the United States. My father loved General Motors, especially Oldsmobile. How many of you had an Oldsmobile? It's not there anymore, but it's Oldsmobile was a charm. We, when I first came here, my father bought a used Chevrolet. It was tough. It's like truck. It's like really, really tough car. And then we got used 88. 98, you guys don't know what I'm talking about, right? 98 is like one of the biggest car the American Motor Company made. It's huge. It's like boat. You know, when you drive that thing and then you go through the little uh, crack or the pothole, you don't even feel it. It's like one of those kind of things, you know, really cool car. I love that car. That's why I like big cars. Cutlass, Sierra, it's all gone now. In the 70s, Oldsmobile. 
their cars lasted forever. It lasts over 100,000 miles without much problems. But in the 80s, and now I get know some of you know about this, in the 80s, Orsmobile and Buick, General Motors in general, was disastrous. Engine problems, transmission problems. At about 40,000 miles, transmissions were shot in several cars that we had. And it became junk about 45,000 miles. Yes, you may not believe it, but in those days, it was so. So we actually gave it away to a paper ad that read, we will give you $500 for any running car in any condition. We just took the car and take it. They gave us 500 bucks. I was glad to get rid of the car. I was tired of fixing. I was tired of getting stuck in the highway. And I was determined to get a reliable car. At that time, in the 80s, it was a Japanese car. But my father wouldn't let me. He had this deep scar during Japanese colonization of Korea. He has seen all these horrible things the armies of Japan has done to the people and horses of Korea. His inner core was filled with those not good memories of the past that developed into resentment and hatred with anything that is of Japan. Even though he studies the word of God, Every day, preach his word to the congregation every day. Enough of, uh, of to, to go to leprosy colony and serve there for 13 years. He would not let go of that resentment. No matter how much I try to convince him of this great technological advancement and trouble-free, maintenance-free, the Japanese cars were, I cannot get him to agree to buy a Japanese car. So after I got married, that would be around 28 years old, I went out by, I bought a Japanese car on my own without letting him know. You see, I have a right to do that, right? Well, today you may, but those days, no. And uh, so one day I had to tell him he wanted to know I understand you got a new car. Yes, I did. What did you get? So I had to hesitate a little bit. I told him I bought Impulse. I thought I'd get away with it. He says, Impulse? What's Impulse? What's the name of the car? Who makes Impulse? Well, it's from Izuzu. He was so mad. He was upset. He was actually yelling on the phone, saying, how can you do that? After all I told you about what they did to the people of Korea and the the country. And he was really mad. But as young as I was, I remember telling my father, I couldn't believe I was that bold. Japan took over Korea because the people of Korea failed to unite. It was our failure, not the Japanese. In fact, the one of the first countries that invaded Korea was not Japan during that period of time. It was Europeans and 
the United States of America. What Japan did to you during that period of time, I know it hurts you. And just about every Asian have the same remorse, resentment. But look at it this way. Japan's ability to unite and conquer is benefiting Asians across the world and especially in the United States today. He looked at me with a face that said, what are you talking about? Well, I told him, the survey indicates that Americans, this is back then, 30-some years ago, the survey indicates that Americans in general respect Japanese, the people of Japan, the most, more than British people. I read that in newspaper, the survey. Americans want Japanese products, even though they bombed us. They want their cameras, TVs, motorcycles, stereos, and cars, everything they make, Americans want. And they realize the Japanese people or the country are not to be reckoned with. They elevated the status of agents in this world, and we are agents. We are benefiting from their technological greatness and be proud to be Asian. I told my father that. Otherwise, I was getting a big slap on my face. His root cause was his stubbornness not to accept the defeat of his country. Rather than accepting that the country lost the war, he blamed Japanese for everything. He blamed Japan for the failure of his country to unite, to defend. He, hold, he held the Imperial Japanese Army to be responsible for all the harms that they did to Korea and also the rest of Asia. The core of matter was not Japan. It was not even the people of Japan. The root cause was his disappointment in his own country that turned into anger over the years. And when he spewed out from his inner core, it was, became angry, resenting, and hating towards that country. Well, guess what? Soon later, he bought himself Nissan Mazda. He loved it. He loved it so much that when he was called to go, to go back to Korea for missionary, I'm going to need a car when I go to Korea. I'm taking my used Mazda with me, with me. He says, well, you better not, because if you take Japanese Mazda to Korea, they're going to scorn you. They're going to ridicule you. He says, I don't care. I'll tell you exactly what you told me. I'm going to tell those people. You see, the word of God, when you feel the emptiness, the core of our, uh, of our heart can do the same thing. Give you a new 
transformation, new perspective in life. You begin to see your people you don't like differently, enemies you hate differently. And you begin to fill your heart with the Word of God. Truly, truly, that's the beginning step in growing in grace. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes, it exposes, it exposes our innermost, innermost, inner core of ours, the thoughts and desires. It exposes our inner core with light, the Word of God. So when you do that, you can now really, really have a new perspective you never thought you had before. You can rebuild and reconcile your broken relationship. You can rebuild your marriage. Marriage is where often deadly lava spills out. Am I wrong or am I right? I know I'm right. We're all loving people, but when that inner core that is dark in us, comes out and spills out, it becomes deadly. And you do that, you can rebuild with hope and trust. The point of all these stories is that the Word of God can do the same thing. It has the power to change and transform our inner core. The Word of God has that power. Now, Jesus knew that we were sinners. In fact, we're born as sinners. Therefore, our inner core, we are sinners. Just because we receive grace does not mean that our inner core goes away. That's something that we have to work on it. Grace is amazing. It's giving ultimately first class ticket to heaven. That's what we got. I know it's in your pocket. You all have the ticket to heaven. But the struggle that we face in this earth is because of the inner core, because we're the sinners. And Christ has paid a big price for it, to give us that. So to grow in grace, we too need to recognize that we have a core of a matter that is deceitful and is full of evil desires. You may think you don't have it, and when you recognize it, that's when we can become humble. Oh, I thought I was clean. I thought I was good kid, good parent, good person, I now realize that I am not. And therefore, I need to continue to shine his light inside of me. And that's the word of God. Hebrews 
For when there is change in the priesthood, this is beautiful. For when there is change in priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. That's English Standard Version. New Living Translation helps us to understand a little better. And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. What it means is this. Jesus came, right? But before he came, until then, what was the core of the people's belief in Israel? It was Levitical law. That was the core. And if priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. Permit what? Jesus is now came as priesthood. He came and said, the core of your belief in God is now grace. Not Levitical law, but it's grace. You see, Jesus, what did he do? He changed the law. And if the priesthood is changed, meaning Jesus came, the law must also be changed to permit it. Jesus changed the law from Leviticus law to law of grace, the power of grace, the amazing grace. So now the law that we must submit is this. It's all about grace. What does that translate to? Well, it's to grow in grace or grow with grace as we shine and expose our inner core with what? With the Word of God. May you live transformative life moving forward, and may you continue to receive the Word of God.